Welcome to the Synapse Nips podcast, where we explore the power of health and healing. On this podcast, we will be talking with health experts, professionals, and leaders about hot topics in the world of health. Whether it's tools to help you flourish, successful stories to inspire, or tips to optimize your health, Synapse Nips is here to help you take the first steps towards living your best life. Good day and welcome to the Snap Snips podcast. Today I'm joined with uh, Marquis and Dr. Josh. I'm Dr. Troy and we're going to be talking about memory today. So memory is something that uh, everyone seems to be struggling with uh, during the Christmas season that we're in right now, but also just in general. Um, and there's reasons for that. So we're going to talk a little bit about uh, memory itself, how it works, the laying down of memory. Um, and then the, the range of memory issues as far as just inability to have word recall all the way to Alzheimer's and, and dementia. So uh, let's just uh, start the process by, um, I'm also going to say this uh, podcast will be coming out uh, the week before I'm doing my memory class. And so this is a lecture where I will be going in more into depth. So if you're interested in that, it'll be on our website, you can uh, log in, and we did decide to do virtual, so you'll be able to uh, do that virtually. If you plan to come to the clinic, please call uh, and let us know, or sign up online is even better, uh, so we know numbers, because we're going to have to shut that down at a certain point. We're only able to uh, hold a certain capacity of people here, so, and we're about halfway there already, uh, just with our in-house signups. So just uh, uh, don't be afraid to log in. During that lecture, uh, we're also going to uh, talk a little bit about brain health. Uh, we're going to talk about how to prevent memory loss, uh, how to work with current memory loss, and then our programs that address it for the people that want to do a little bit more of a deeper dive and uh, all the things that go into it. And I'm just going to lead with this one little preface. Our programs are very, very unique. And to my knowledge, um, one of the more unique parts of it is that we, for those that have Alzheimer's dementia, We've had uh, success with uh, um, patients in the past, and what we realize is how hard the, the, the scenario is on the caretaker. And so our programs include how we take care of the caretaker. So stay tuned for that, and looking forward to any and all who check in. This is a big topic. Um, we base everything that we do, uh, most everything that we do, on our functional medicine principles and the book, uh, the End of Alzheimer's is a great resource. Dr. Dale Bredesen is who I was personally trained under with his program in the Functional Medicine Institute. At the End of Alzheimer's shares his story on uh, over 25 years of Alzheimer's research and the breakthroughs they've had and uh, what can be done about it. So to uh, for those that are genetically predisposed or just have concerns, uh, we urge you to check out our more in-depth lecture that will be uh, next weekend. That's the 17th of December, 2022, for those that are listening in the future. Um, uh, we'll be going more in-depth there. So off the top of your head, Dr. Josh, when it comes to memory, what's the first thing that comes to mind? I don't remember. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> uh, the first thing that comes to mind 
It's tough because there's a lot of things that come to mind. I'm going to give a, categor- a big category of things. You know, yeah. in, in the book that you mentioned, end of, all, end of Alzheimer's, there's several categories that are going to affect brain health. The thing that's top of mind with me most recently is, you know, I, I don't know if this is the answer you're expecting, blood flow. Yeah. I've had good successes with the last couple of, um, personally, with the last couple of uh, memory-related patient programs that I've overseen. Um, I've seen improvements in people yeah. that, you know, medically they're told that there is no improvement. That yeah. doesn't mean that they're back to 100% normal. But can I can I mention the MOCA? Yeah, quick? absolutely. Yeah, so when we have people come in with memory concerns, we do a test called the Montreal Cognitive Assessment. It's a 30-point, uh, basically, test where the person, ideally we do this in person because there's a few things that they have to do on paper, and then that's a memory test, and they have to repeat things. And anyways, it's... It's a really good way of, of getting a baseline of where the person's cognitive health is. And uh, medically, it's not expected for somebody to go up in their score. Mm-hmm. Basically, if you've got a score uh, below 26 out of 30, you're considered some level of cognitive impairment. We have a lot of people that come in with scores in the low teens to tens when that is very difficult. These last two that I've dealt with have started at 10s and now they're in the mid-teens, yeah. which is usually significant, unheard of. Yeah, yeah, and significant gains. Yeah, and it's surprising because both of those two were blood flow-related issues yeah. primarily. And there's a lot of things that we do in the clinic that are su- that are supporting blood flow. The, the greater purpose of this really is you need those little brain cells to have energy. Yeah. That's basically all it boils down to. Yes. And so if you can reduce inflammation, improve energy through blood flow and, and nutrition and diet and a few other things, that's the simple way of thinking about it. it. Yeah, just to just to show how important blood flow is, because blood flow delivers oxygen. So I want you all who are listening to go twenty minutes without oxygen and see how you feel. <laughs> Right? Okay. Point point proven. Yeah, please don't do that. (laughs) Disclaimer. Bad guidance. (laughs) But you guys get my point. Uh, If there's anything compromising blood flow and therefore oxygen delivery, that's first and foremost with improved brain function. And for those that are listening um, here, we've also done a podcast in the past on brain fog. So you can go back to that uh, podcast to, to learn a little bit more. But when we're talking about memory, that is a, that's different than brain fog. There's a component that overlaps, but there's much, much more that, that's involved. And so that, that MOCA or that Montreal Cognitive Assessment score is a very good indicator to see if people are in mild cognitive impairment, true, uh, dementia scenarios, mm-hmm. and, um, or if it's just a, uh, normal reading, but they have brain fog. And so there, when it comes to the memory part of it, there's really uh, three three areas that uh, are involved with memory. There's the encoding part of it where you're actually laying down of that memory. And there's a lot of debate about how that happens. But at some process and point, you remember things. And all kinds of factors go into play with that. So your hormone status. Um, for example, people may remember uh, in my generation uh, where they were when Elvis died or when JFK was um, assassinated. Actually, I'm not, that's pre-gen, my generation. I'm not that old, but, <laughs> but, um, it gives you an idea of where you were for 9-11. A lot of people have that just laid down in their brain. So the intensity of an emotion or hormone response influences the laying down of that memory. Mm-hmm. Also, there's the storage. Where is it stored? Uh, and it's stored in the brain. And then there's the actual retrieval of that memory. 
So those are the three processes as it relates to memory, and there could be a problem in any one of those areas. By the time we get to Alzheimer's, a lot of times there's actually a problem with all three. So, or there's a problem with the laying down of the memory and then the uh, storage of the memory. So it's not there, but they can actually have the retrieval of the memory. So they may have old memories that they're pulling from to try and get the answer to you. And they may be talking about what happened 25 years ago. Well, it's, that's because they're trying to retrieve memories, but the new ones aren't being laid down. So that happens again because of a breakdown of the process of how the nerves are communicating. Blood flow is one of the most important things. If, if there's, let's just say it this way. If there is swelling in an area uh, of the body, then you don't get as efficient blood flow to that area. Uh, and that's the same for the brain. If there's a, a basically a, a swelling or a, an immune system reaction trying to take care of something, it can be fixing the problem, but at the same time, it can be causing a delivery of oxygen and sugars uh, can't get there. And, and a lot of people need proper sugar delivery. So I'm going to talk about this one a little bit because one of my favorite cases um, um, was a gentleman who just uh, was, was the elite at, uh, I just enjoyed working with him. And he was in his 80s, which is the older you are, the harder it is to reverse what the damage that's already been done. But he had a MOCA score in the teens, 18, and we ended up getting him to 26. His was not necessarily the blood flow was the primary issue, but blood sugar. So they used to call Alzheimer's type 3 diabetes of the brain. And it's because blood there was such a key component of blood sugar. Those are actually my favorite ones to work with. If you can identify blood sugar as the primary issue, then we tend to have bigger success uh, with them. But uh, his mocha improved drastically because he was not managing his sugar properly. And that that means not that you don't get sugar, but you have to have the right forms of sugar. And as you get diabetes or have a problem with regulation of sugar, it will influence the brain quite a bit. It causes inflammation and uh, can cause you to actually um, have memory loss, obviously. So the blood sugar and oxygen are the two most, uh, most important parts of, uh, of memory and make sure those things are being delivered well. If you look at our diet and lifestyle, if you have stress ongoing for one year, five years, or 10 years, uh, it can influence both your oxygen and your uh, blood sugar levels as far as how it's delivered to the brain. So don't, the, the best thing you can do right out of the gates is just get back to the basic foundational practices of eating a healthy diet and having a healthy lifestyle. So um, one of the things that we also see in the end of Alzheimer's book, uh, Dr. Bredesen talks about uh, how there was 37 different pathways within the body that can trigger ultimately the memory loss. And so that's why we start to see it early on. So if you're in your 20s, your 30s, or 40s, uh, we start to see memory issues. And this includes kids. Right now we're seeing a lot of kids with the inability to lay down the memories. They're having focus issues, attention deficit disorder, because of the stressors that they're putting um, into their brain, whether it be through social media or their cell phones or their diet stuff. That's one of the things that's causing a problem with the first two parts of the memory issues. I've never in my life had so many young adults uh, and teenagers come to me saying, I can't remember, I can't remember. Mm -hmm. 
And it's because of these simple practices where they're not getting the oxygen delivery, their brain's being overwhelmed, they don't have enough fuel to the brain, and it is stressors like their cell phone or or relationships or something that, that's getting to them. So this is a big part of it. So do you want to talk a little bit about how stress, which is one of the top 37 uh, <laughs> triggers for memory loss, how, how stress uh, can impact the body? How can it impact the body? Well, yeah. uh, focusing on memory. Yeah, <laughs> Simple. Yeah, can you do that in three minutes or less, please? Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. I always think of the, uh, the hippocampus when yeah. it comes to stress. That's a part of the brain. It's a smaller area of the brain involved in memory. And it's very susceptible to the stress hormone cortisol. Yeah, to the point where if you've got elevated cortisol throughout your life, that's that area of the brain, is, which is very susceptible, will shrink and, and change to the point where you can't you know, do these yep. memory processes correctly. And that's really any stress. We've done podcasts on stress, yep. mental, emotional stress, internal stress from inflammation. Um, anything that's going to negatively impact that hormone control is going to change how the brain is able to go through those three-step process of, of memory creation. Yes. And stress also shrinks down the lymphatic detox network yeah. that helps yeah. you get rid of your toxins. Mm. And toxins, many different toxins, are also instrumental in memory loss. Yeah. And that network, too, that glim- the glymphatic network, yeah. the, the, the lymph in the brain is, is turned on with different stages of sleep. Which yes. is another stress issue too. Yeah, lack of sleep, which we've which we've done podcasts on, but the short version of how does Alzheimer's occur, uh, which is the extreme version of memory loss, is uh, the like Dr. Josh said, the glymphatic network is the lymph network in the brain. This so your brain has to get cleaned up like every other cell in the body, and deep sleep is what turns that on, activates it, and it's like a flushing that occurs. But in Alzheimer's, what they did is they found that just like if you have a sore, an open wound sore on your arm and it scabs over, if you're not getting your immune system to properly clean up in the brain, then it can scab over. So we actually see this scabbing, if you will, uh, as part of the problem. And then that kind of pushes the actual distance of our nerves back. And do you guys know what the name of that space is in between the two nerve cells? Uh Marquis shaking You're his head. Me. Yes. <laughs> yeah. It's that's called a synapse. Synapse. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's why I named the the clinic Synapse. And so uh, the reason why I named it Synapse was because it was the junction where communication occurs. If you want to be healthy, you need healthy communication, mentally, chemically, physically, and and that is that's kind of the secret to life. So there you guys go. You guys now know the secret to life synapse. is Synapse. <laughs> Keeping your Synapse healthy. And so uh, the synapse, when you, that distance spreads, then you can't get that communication. When you have a breakdown of communication in the nerves, then that's when we start to see the memory loss. So if you're already experiencing memory loss, it's because there's some level of a breakdown in communication between the nerves. Now, it can be a temporary state where there's inflammation, but no scarring yet uh, or placking. The placking, everyone's heard about the placking of Alzheimer's. That's the scabs. And one, one of the great resources, because I like to give resources too, uh, is the book Grain Brain by Dr. David Perlmutter, a medical doctor, neurologist, and he talks about um, the inflammation that sometimes grains and our, our diet can cause. So if you have just temporary memory loss or stuff that shouldn't be there, look towards an inflammatory food mm-hmm. like gluten and wheat as the main cause. And, and you guys will be shocked uh, at, at the influence it has on the overall 
uh, brain capacity. So that's the first, that's one of the first uh, tidbits and gems we'd like you to start with. But keeping those synapses healthy is very, very important. And so, uh, from your perspective, the stress and how that plays into it, we just talked about that as one of the 37 pathways. Inflammation is another one, um, from food and other sources, chemical toxicity. Um, there's also, uh, another book I want to talk about. It's called Make a, a Good Brain Great by Dr. Daniel Amen. And I was studying his stuff 25 years ago, and it's how I kind of learned about the different areas of the, the brain and how it can influence things. And so uh, he does a good job of breaking down each section uh, of the brain and even some exercises and stuff that you can do. Do you want to talk about, a little bit about how important it is for memory to to be moving, to exercise? For a variety of reasons, really. I mean, I think the, we mentioned lymph, we'll touch on that first because we said it. Your lymphatic network drains just in one spot, it's drained by your collarbones. And there's nothing really like a heart muscle that's going to pump that lymph. You pump that lymph by move, by movement, yeah. by exercise. And so people who are seated, stagnant, couch potatoes, you're not going to move that garbage collection system. Yes. And that garbage is going to accumulate and cause problems. That's one reason. Second reason, there's good research on exercise being just as potent for depression, for instance, yeah. than, than any medications are. That's why the activation, when you move your muscles, you're getting feedback up the nerves into your brain to different areas that activate and turn on those brain areas. We're meant to be moving yes. you know, pretty much all the time. Yep. Or standing, at least. I mean, that's even sitting. This is why sitting is the new smoking. Yes. The act of sitting, if, you, if you're standing, you're getting, you have to balance, you're at least getting some input into the brain to keep it active and yes. awake. Um, but without that, your brain, it's, if you don't use it, you lose it. Yep. There was, when I was first through school, one professor said motion is life. That's how important movement was. And I didn't understand it at the time, but I get it now because when we stop moving, uh, we stop s sending signals to our brain. And the area of the brain that first really goes to is the cerebellum mm -hmm. as far as uh, coordinating our thoughts. And even though cerebellum is not directly involved with um, memory, it is involved with learning. And it kind of primes the pump for our memory system. If there's a breakdown there with our cerebellum, then we're not getting the blood flow to the brain, number one, because it's really important with that. And, it, and we're getting our... Um, our capacity is just different. So uh, when it comes to moving and exercising, you really are uh, sending good feedback to the brain. And I always share the same story. If you've heard this probably on previous podcasts, if you've listened, but to prove this point, you look at astronauts who have a tremendous amount of physical capacity when they go into space, but they can only stay in space for a short period of time before they develop cognitive issues. Mm -hmm. So you have to ask yourself, why, if they're still thinking in space, if they're still using their brain, do they develop cognitive issues? Memory loss, that is equivalent to Alzheimer's. Well, it's because they're not using their muscles in space. There's no gravity. So you don't end up getting the feedback from the muscles to the brain. All they're doing is losing that feedback from their muscles to their cerebellum and their brain. And eventually their brain starts to atrophy to the point of memory loss and real significant physical weakness. And you've seen some of those. I remember when Neil Armstrong went back up there, and when he he had to be helped off, and he was older when he went back up, but he had to be helped off the space shuttle mm -hmm. because he didn't have the physical capacity to withstand um, the length of time that he was there, even though it was a shorter period of time. And they speak about the cognitive challenges that come with that. So 
looking at that research is, is fascinating as far as just how important our muscle feedback is to our brain. So other than that, in the last two years, um, uh, have you seen uh, an increase in cognitive challenges with people? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> Good leading question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think it has to do with, obviously, COVID from a variety of reasons. Yeah. It's it's directly, I think, the impact of that virus is causing, both the virus and the vaccines are causing an increased level of inflammation. A lot of inflammation. In the body. Yeah. And the stress around the uncertainty of life, I think, is just yeah. as harmful. Yeah. And so that alone, those two factors, and there's likely more, are contributing to an increase and just even generally chronic disease for what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot more difficult chronic issues, and the majority of them do lead then to memory change. Yeah. And we're, we're prior to COVID even, we were seeing a really uh, unfortunate trend towards memory loss and Alzheimer's dementia, um, where it used to be one in 50 people uh, would get it is down to one in three people over the age of 80 and almost one in two over the age of 80 are ending up with Alzheimer's dementia or a form of dementia. And uh, it, I remember years ago, um, just the numbers on uh, type uh, uh, diabetes, they used to call it uh, adult onset diabetes and then child, childhood uh, diabetes. And they had to change the name because kids were getting the adult version at, as teenagers. And it's basically because of our diet and lifestyles sped up the aging process for their pancreas so much they didn't know how to, to work with sugar. And so they just changed the name. Well, we're seeing the same thing with memory loss. I now have patients in their 50s coming in with Alzheimer's disease when that was something that you didn't see that much of until they got into their 80s. Mm -hmm. So people are speeding up the aging process by three decades and um, uh, suffering from memory issues sooner and sooner in life. And so I even have someone who's reached out who is now in their 40s who um, already is on the uh, past the mild cognitive uh, component. Mm -hmm. And so we're just seeing these things. And there's some strong genetics involved. We'll go through that at our lecture. But uh, um, I just want everyone to know there's so much you can do to prevent memory loss. The basics of increasing oxygen. Uh, balancing your blood sugar, finding out what's causing inflammation in your diet or lifestyle, whether it's stress or food, uh, and then exercising and moving. Just those basics. Get back to the foundational basics and then sleeping deeply. You'll be shocked how important uh, a role all those things play. Mm -hmm. And you'll also be surprised by what is causing the inflammation in your body or the memory loss when you when you start to deal with it. So if you're listening to this, just start with the basics, find out what in your life is triggering it. I encourage you to read the book, The End of Alzheimer's, even if you don't have Alzheimer's, just to prevent it. Uh, it's a great book. It's a little science-y for um, the average Joe, but uh, if you're listening to this podcast, generally you're the type that likes that information anyway, I've been told. So, so go ahead and take a look at those um, resources, and there's so much more to it, uh, but uh, it's a good place to start. So, uh, again, uh, we're going to wrap this up. It's a short one today um, on memory. But uh, if you have any questions, uh, try and uh, tune in to the actual lecture. And I'm not sure if we'll put this lecture up for future reference on our website. It might be up there. So you can look in our media section, too, if you're seeing this after December of 2022. Uh, but go ahead and uh, um, sign up for that if you guys are interested. 
It is uh, December 18th, 1 p.m. at Synapse, uh, our clinic here, and we'll be going through more in-depth analysis of how to keep your brain healthy to prevent memory loss, how to uh, recognize the signs of memory loss, and then even uh, start to introduce some of our programs for those that want to do it. Um, briefly, I'm just going to say that our programs are uh, group. We work with groups. We only select and work with a, f- a certain number of people each year. And uh, we've had people, we've had success like Dr. Uh, Bresson has in certain groups. We've also run into walls where we have not had the success. But whenever you get someone where you're actually able to change their ability to remember, it's life-changing. So we've had patients who couldn't dress themselves Um, figure out how to button up their shirt, be able to start dressing themselves again. So it's really about getting quality of life back. And I really urge people to take note of this now when you don't have the full-blown Alzheimer's because this is so much easier to prevent than it is to correct. So on that note, uh, Dr. Josh, if you want to uh, give the website information, that'd be great. Sure. I have one other comment too. Sure. Because we talked a lot about memory. Before you get on the website, December 17th is the... Oh, 17th, not 18th, but go ahead. Thank you, 17th. Yes, good Um, catch. Yeah, so, okay, on the website... I forgot, yeah. On the website now, we've got a new new tab in our menu called Events. You click on that, there's going to be event registration information. We'll make sure that we get the info on the the virtual stuff on there. Um, So that should be all there. We also have a spot under our Synapse programs where people can can put their name in for interest in an actual program. So there's really two things here. There's the lecture and then there's interest in, in working with us for programs. We'll talk about the program stuff during the lecture. So if you're not sure, just just do the lecture, listen to it, and that'll be that'll be great. Last comment I wanted to make was this is this is not just about Alzheimer's, right? This yeah. is about anything especially even disease-wise, anything that's going to be brain-related can be helped by these principles. And just to echo what you had said, the sooner that you can get on top of these issues in yourself, the better. So even if you're 30 years old, this is stuff that's worth knowing. Because for me, for instance, I have a family history of multiple people that have have had Alzheimer's. As do I. Yeah, I know my genetics. I know some of my risk factors. And those are things that I work on because I don't want to have to deal with that as much as possible. So be proactive. I know a lot of people don't like to know what their future risk is for this stuff. Um, but don't be afraid of it. You can't fix it if you don't know it's there. Yeah, and we'll have information, programs, and recommendations for everyone at every stage. So Mm -hmm. uh, tune in. Looking forward to uh, seeing you guys there, and this this will be ongoing for many, many years. So we'll we'll do another talk on um, uh, memory and uh, specifically some of the more challenging scenarios keep those questions and uh, podcast topics coming in we appreciate that we're appreciating all the feedback love you guys and have a great christmas season thank you for listening to the synapse nips podcast if you like what you heard subscribe to the podcast and share the podcast to learn more check out our website at www.officialsynapse.com Until next time, this has been Synapse Snips Podcast. We'll see you on the next episode. This podcast is for information purposes only and should under no circumstances be considered medical advice or a substitute for medical care. Any information given in this podcast is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. 
and is at the user's own risk. Please first consult a licensed healthcare professional.